Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. Verse number 10, the Bible says, The God of mercy shall prevent me. God shall let me see my desire upon mine enemies. The God of mercy shall prevent me. God shall let me see the desire upon my desire upon mine enemies. I want to speak for just a little while tonight on this subject. Mercy shall prevent me. Mercy shall prevent me. I love you today, Lord. I thank you for the privilege to be here tonight in this pulpit and to preach to one such wonderful people. And I pray tonight, Lord, that we'll not just listen with our ear, but with our heart as well. And let your spirit speak to us tonight expressly in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and you can be seated. I want to back up just a little bit I want to consider some of the beginning verses in uh, Psalms 59 the 59th Psalm is one of nine uh, imprecatory Psalms that were written by David and in these imprecatory Psalms or imprecatory prayers David prays for the judgment of God to come upon his enemies I know that sort of comes against the grain of of what we are often thinking about when we think about the Spirit of the Lord. We more commonly think about praying for mercy and asking God to forgive. But David is praying for the judgment of the Lord to come upon his enemies. And I preached and talked about this back in November of last year about imprecatory prayers, and you may or may not remember that, but that is, that is exactly what David is doing. And I think there are, there are moments and seasons in our lives that it is proper to pray against things that are coming against us. And uh, that's not my subject tonight, but Psalms 59 is just one of those nine imprecatory psalms. The setting of this particular psalm, 59, is when... Um, Saul had sent men to go to the house of David and they were watching his house and they were watching his house with the intention of killing him. Now the, the details of that story is found in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 19 and uh, so we, we see the, the actual playing out of that in 1 Samuel 19. But this psalm portrays yet another attempt on the life of David um, and uh, Saul was, of course, the enemy that is at the center of our story. But Saul would never be able to kill David because God had a divine purpose 
on the life of David. And so try as he may, there was no hope ever that Saul would be able to kill him. And there's a number of lessons that I think we can glean from this passage. And so with the help of the Lord, I want to just take a few moments and I want to pull as much of this as we can. And I believe God will help us if we'll just lean in. In verses 1 through 9, we can clearly see that David paints a portrait of the Lord specifically as a deliverer. And uh, to be sure, I believe that God's people can always turn to the Lord in the times of danger, in times of testing, or you fill in the blank. I think we always have a wonderful advocate in the fact that we can turn to the Lord in our time of need. I understand that one of the things that the enemy fights us with is the spirit of shame. Anybody ever felt shame, embarrassment when you went to the, to the altar? And, you know, like, well, I remember a, a song. As a matter of fact, we sing it sometimes. I'm back again, Lord. Here I am right back again. I've never found the judgment of God when I got there, but I've always found the mercy of God when I got there. But it is the enemy's pleasure to keep us at bay and to keep us held hostage by that. But we always should remember that God's people can always turn to him in our time of testing and peril. I think it's assuring, it certainly is to me, to know that God not just hears my prayer, but God answers my prayer. And there's a lot of things that I could say to you that you could hear, but you couldn't answer. You couldn't do anything to fix the situation. You could hear me out. And I'm thankful for those shoulders to lean on, thankful for those sounding boards and things of that nature, but I'm glad to serve a God that can hear my prayer and he can do something about my situation. Verses 1 and 2 says, uh, says things like this. David says, uh, deliver me from my enemies. He says, defend me from them that rise up against me. Deliver me from workers of iniquity. And David went on, this is pretty, uh, pretty telling. He said, I want you to save me from bloody men. And so it's pretty telling where David is in this prayer. And and uh, he's pulling no punches. There's not a lot of room here to have to read in between the lines. He is saying, deliver me from my enemies. Defend me from those that rise up against me. Deliver me from workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. Help me, Lord. Defend me. That means to set me up on high. Put me on dry ground or put me on higher ground. David clearly in many, many places portrayed and I believe himself pictured the Lord as a fortress or as a high tower. We can read references to such things all throughout the book of Psalms. For example, in the, in the 18th Psalm or the 20th Psalm, in Psalms 46 and, and uh, Psalms 91, God, uh, David continually portrays the Lord as being that strong tower, high and lifted up, or the lifter up. And so I'm thankful to know that. However, David's prayer was not a substitute for action. And our prayer should not be a substitute for action. Sometimes there's nothing we can do. Amen? Amen. But pray. But when there is room for us to do something, we must remember like David remembered, and it's what James would later write about, that faith without works is dead. We have to, at times, do something in our lives. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And so we're going to, we're going to get a little snapshot here of somebody doing something about that. The Bible talks about David's wife, uh, Michael, which was the daughter of Saul. And when she found out that, that Saul had sent men to watch their house, they were spying out their house, 
They were waiting for an opportune time to go to the house to kill David. And so when Michael found out about that, she not only warned David, but she went to work on a plan to save his life. I think this is one of the one very fascinating story for sure. Long before those three men that escaped from Alcatraz came up with a plan to act like they were just dummies laying in a bed. If you've ever been to Alcatraz, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever heard about the story or read any of the history of it. But long before these three men developed such a ruse, Michael had already used the same ploy to distract the enemy. In 1 Samuel 19, and you can read about this, as I often say, but do that on your own time, if you will. Not tonight. In Samuel, 1 Samuel 19 tells us that she took an image. That's what the scripture says. That she took an image and she laid that image in his bed. And then she put a pillow of goat's hair to support that image. And then she covered it with a cloth. And in fact, those men did come. They did knock on the door. And she said, well, he's, he's in the bed and he's sick. And so she did something about it. She didn't just pray about it. She did something about it. I think that was a very ingenious thing and a very ingenious thing to do. As a matter of fact, while, while she was distracting them with that, he had already been lowered to safety where he could go and make his way. Uh, he could go and make his way to Samuel and in Ramah. And so while she was working on this plan, we should never discount this one thing, that while Michael was busy doing something, I believe that God was the one that was orchestrating this rescue. Amen. I, I, I want to I wanna share that. I'm thankful for the works that Michael was doing, but I'm also thankful that God was at work, that God was there. And so the Lord knows our heart. In verse number three and four, it says, David says, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me. Now he said, not for my transgression. They're not lying against me or waiting against me because of my transgression nor are they trying to kill me for my sin. They run and prepare themselves without my fault. Or in other words, he's saying they're not trying to get me because they're trying to settle a score where I've really done something wrong or where I am really guilty of some sin or breaking or breach of law. But he said they are doing something and I'm not at fault. I didn't do any of the things that they're accusing me of. They're trying to take me for nothing. And so these verses recognize that David was innocent of the charges that were levied against him. Now, it would be one thing to be uh, jailed or in prison uh, for something that you did, to lose your freedom for something that you were guilty of, but, but statistically, and, and history proves that there have, been, uh, there have been several people that have been sent to prison, both male and female, that were innocent of their charges. Now, that would be a real sad scenario. As a matter of fact, as a part of our prison ministry, uh, a, a man that has, <clears throat> a man that we had, have known for many years. Um, after 23 and a half years, someone uh, retracted a statement they had made against him uh, that he had been accused of, and for 23 and a half years he was in prison. Amen. And uh, it was 20. I think any 23 and a half years of your life would be important years, but he was a pretty young man when he went to prison. And uh, when he got out of prison, they, not only had he lost his youth, but he had lost a lot of opportunities in life. And uh, so to be imprisoned for something you did would be one thing, but to be imprisoned for something that you knew you were innocent of would be completely different. And so that's what the, David was saying. He said, there, the, all these charges are levied against me, and it's not even my fault. And so he was innocent. David was not a traitor, 
But Saul was what needed to have some excuse to hunt him down. I mean, Saul was the king, and so he's trying to keep blood off of his hands, mud off of his boots, whatever you want to say. And so he needed some reason that he could justify taking David out. And so David addresses the Lord as if he had been sleeping. Now, I, I don't want you to think David was being disrespectful, but David said to the Lord, he said to the Lord, awake and help me. Now, before we... Before we point our finger at him, we probably felt that. Hey, Lord, I know it says you never sleep or slumber, but I'm telling you, you ever thought that the Lord just wasn't watching your situation? Amen. There have been times in our personal peril that we felt like God should be acting on our behalf like a while ago. Not in the morning, not even today, but you should have been on this case yesterday. Amen. The Lord, the Lord sees and he knows what we're going through. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about right here in this passage that the Lord sees and hears our enemies. And he knows what they're doing and he knows what they're saying. If we were to summarize verses 6 and 7 of the 59th Psalm, we would read things like this. They return at evening. They make noise like a dog. They go around about the city. They belch out with their mouth. And, and David said their swords are in their lips. <laughs> and then, and then the, the last line of this, they asked this question for who, say they, doth hear? We can say whatever we want to say because there's nobody listening. We can make all these railing accusations that we want to make and who's going to hear anything about this? But I'll tell you that the Lord is listening to what your enemy is saying right now. The Lord is listening to that. And so if the enemy of our soul thinks for one moment that God is not listening to their plan or their plot, they are very sadly mistaken. They may ask the question, who doth hear? But I can assure you that God is listening at this very moment. And if you want to know who's listening, if you want to know who doth hear, that would be the Lord God himself. That's who's hearing and keeping a record. Jehovah is the Lord of the armies and he can defeat anybody that challenges his will. Amen. David gives a graphic description of Saul's men uh, in verses six and seven and then you can drop down uh, to around verses 12 in and, and that area and, and you can see this description of, of, uh, of David as he talks about Saul's men and, and these verses and passages reveal his true disdain for them and they're spewing out evil and they're asking who so arrogantly who could know our thoughts or who could who could hear what we're saying but verse number eight the Bible says that the Lord would laugh at them pretty serious stuff the spies that were watching David but David was on his way to safety they were outside his house they were waiting for an opportunity to pounce but you see God had already made a way he had already opened a path. He had already uh, allowed a way of escape because the Lord was watching out for him and he was aware of their plot. And so David clearly understood that God, he is my source of strength and God is my fortress and God is my refuge and we can read about that again and again and again. Where do I go? when there's nowhere else to turn to? Who do I lean on when there's nobody else to lean on? Where do I turn when I don't know where to turn? The answer to that is the Lord. We're just gonna put our time and our focus and our attention 
because mercy shall prevent me. I hope to make sense of that in just a moment because mercy shall prevent me. Therefore, David realized I have no reason to be afraid. I have nothing to fear. In verses 10 through 17, we're reminded that God is not only great, but God is the judge. And he's not just a judge, but God is the final judge. Amen. And he would also confront David's enemies and he would deal with them. I realize that David's request for the Lord to smite his enemies and for the Lord to wipe them out, that seems a little bit brutal, as though he were not really acting like a child of God. And where's all this mercy that should be here? And where is all this pray for them that, that despitefully use you? But we need to keep in mind that David wasn't doing this for himself. David wasn't trying to protect his own reputation. He wasn't just trying to protect his own name or his own legacy. He wasn't, he wasn't just worried about egotistically David himself. But we need to remember that David was the chosen king of Israel. And David was praying an imprecatory prayer, not Lord save my own skin, not Lord save my own hide, but David was interceding on behalf of a nation. Amen. I think there's a difference when we're praying for the Lord to just help us out of a tight squeeze or when we're realizing that the enemy is trying to frustrate the purpose of God. There are times that we have to, David said to Solomon, he said, there are times you're going to have to stand and show thyself a man. Amen. Anybody need clarification? You're going to have to stand and show thyself a man. Solomon is wondering, how am I going to lead these people? He was a young man for, for all intent and purposes. He was a young man, and he's asking his father who had led Israel. He's asking his father who had served as the king how, how, or had served uh, as a leader, how am I going to do this? And, and he understood you're, there are going to be times you're going to have to stand up and show thyself a man. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen, I do believe that we can pray and whisper a prayer and God can hear us, but I believe there are times that our voice ought to be raised. Amen, I, I believe that our passion ought to, ought to rise up. I don't believe that we would just speak to an enemy that broke into our house and passively ask them to walk back out the same door that they came in, but I believe that when we realize somebody has intruded on something that belongs to us, they're gonna... There's going to be something in us that rises and says, we got to do something about this right now. Amen. And so it was not a personal crusade. David wasn't just doing this for himself. But God, he was asking God to fight the enemy for him and for the nation of Israel. And I believe, believe that there are times that we must absolutely call on the name of the Lord to fight that battle. And so when it comes to facing and fighting the enemy, we understand that the Lord goes before us. There's many references to this, of course, in Scripture. Verse number 10 is just one of them, but many times, or multiple times at least in Isaiah, Isaiah refers to that and other writers about the Lord being with us. The mercy of the Lord would go before David. And that mercy would not just go before him passively, but the mercy of the Lord went before David to prepare a way of victory for him. Just like when David killed Goliath, the Lord also fights for us. Absolutely, he fights for us. In verses 11 through 13, these passages give us some insight as to how the Lord fights for us. One, in one place here in the scripture, it says that the Lord fights by scattering our enemy. Amen. 
will weaken them by scattering them. There's a passage of scripture that talks about men that were in the woods fighting. And the Bible just calls it the wood. And the scripture says that there were more lost in the wood than there were lost in the battle. There were more that just got lost and confused and died by just being scattered than they were those that died by the sword. So I'm telling you that there are times that the Lord will not just reach down and squish your enemy like a bug, but he will just... He'll just frustrate and scatter the effort of the enemy, amen, and cause them to wonder, David said. And then he also talks about consuming them. But there, I believe that the spirit of the Lord can step into a situation and just break it up. You ever, anybody here ever put a, I don't, mostly I think we use Dawn dishwashing detergent. Uh, I mean, yeah, dishwashing liquid. And, and there have been times you might have a pan or a pot you've been, cooking in and you just put one drop of don't you ever seen what happened that's what I thought about today pardon me for if you think that's too elementary but that's what I thought about just scatter the enemies I mean that grease was right there with just one drop and it just broke it all up something had to move instantly nobody asking permission and so the Lord just scattered the enemies and the Lord is our shield and the Lord can protect us in any battle and so this leads me now back to the passage where we began tonight. And that was my introduction, if you were concerned. <laughs> it's it's going to be all right. Psalms 59 and 10. The God of mercy shall prevent me. God shall let me see my desire upon mine enemies. The God of my mercy shall prevent me. Now, when we just read this passage of scripture and it just doesn't really make sense that the God of my mercy shall prevent me. And so if we just read that at face value, we would say, prevent me from what? What is God going to stand in the way of? Because it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to go in context of what the scripture says. I know he's a God of my strength and a God of my defense, but when reading this, it's hard to understand what David is saying because if you just look up this word prevent in the Webster Dictionary, it just means to stop or to hinder. So why would God stop me or why would God hinder me? But the word prevent, this word is found seven times in Scripture, and if you read them, just to read them for reading them, it only makes sense a couple of times. The others are somewhat hard to comprehend. For instance, in Psalm 79 and 8, it says, Let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us. Or, or the 88th Psalm in verse 13 where it says, My morning prayer shall prevent thee. And so it doesn't really make sense in our language how this all works out. But the word prevent, as it is used in Psalms 59 and a couple of other of these places, has another meaning. In that passage, the word prevent means to come toward. To come toward not to stand in the way of, or not to block, but to come toward. So that brings a completely different light, and that takes us in a totally different direction. And so if we were to reread Psalms 59 and 10 with the true meaning of that in place, then we would read that the God of my mercy shall come to me. 
Amen. In my time of distress, in my time of peril, verse 9 said, because of his strength I will wait upon thee, for God is my defense, and the God of my mercy shall come to me. That is a promise that we have in Scripture. And so if I'm to interpret this Scripture in its proper light, it appears to me that when I am in trouble and I call on the name of the Lord, the Lord is on his way to me. The God of my mercy shall prevent me. In 1 Samuel 19, we find that Saul has thrown a javelin at David, uh, not, more, not once, but more than once, twice. And each time, David just barely slips away. He just, in, in light, if you, if you animate that passage when you're reading it at all, I mean, David just barely makes it away by the hair of his chinny, chin, chin. But he gets away. The mercy of God shall come to me. The assassins are waiting at David's house for him to get out of bed. Michael has helped him slip out the window safely. And, 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 and here they are standing what they think with victory right at, right at hand. But it was not to be because the mercy was going to come to them. Amen. And so I'm thankful that, that when I've been locked up in some facet of my life, whether that's in thought or emotions or Whatever I'm going, whatever I'm going through, or whatever you may be going through, we have there have been times when we just felt like we couldn't get to the Lord. I'm not just talking about getting to the house of the Lord, but just times we just felt like we just couldn't get there. Not backslid, not indifferent, not out in sin, but just something between us and God. I just can't quite get to Him. Amen. There have been times in your life and in mine when it seemed like the more I prayed, the further away I got. I hope I'm not being too transparent for the super spiritual, but there are times it just seems that way. That the more you pray, it just, just seems like heaven becomes as brass. And it's just, you just can't seem to get through and you, and you seem to be drawn further away. And we pray a prayer with a great sense of fervency or even a great sense of, of honesty and and, uh, and, and, and openness before the Lord and then we walk away from the altar and we realize within just a few days that we're struggling with the same thing again anybody ever been there? And we just felt victory was so imminent we felt like we, I've got a handle on this whatever this may be I've got a handle on this and, and this a, a little bit removed from that we find that same issue cropping up again and again and it, appear, it just appears that, that God is so far that we just cannot get back to him or get to him. And so I, I, I want to help, if I can, tonight with the help of the Lord in likeness to the attribute of how good and how great our God is. When we are struggling to overcome things in our life, when our enemies are fighting against us and people seek to destroy when it seems like David, as though David, people were laying in wait, and they really were. They were just outside of the door. <laughs> when they were laying in wait, just, just waiting for a moment, just waiting for a moment, they already had a plan. God has made a promise that I'm going to prevent you. I'm going to come to you in that very moment. Psalms 9 and 9 says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. That is the kind of God that we're serving. Amen. I want to. I want to say this in closing. If our musicians would come and and uh, I recently 
I read an article that was written by a pastor. I don't know him. I, I don't even know if he's of our faith, but I just read an article. And uh, I just want to share a little small excerpt because it was, it was pretty transparent in his writing about an incident that happened in his life. But I think we could probably all find ourselves here. And so I'm going to quote from this point forward. He said, I was counseling a teenager through a, a few distressing things that were happening in his life. He was sobbing and telling me what he feared would happen to him and his mother. He said, I've never been one to take the stand that, you know, everything's going to be all right. Especially when he was talking to a young person. He said, for one thing, I think that it shows them little respect to just say, everything's going to be all right. And then he said, in another way, I think it can be a little bit deceitful because everything may not be all right. But he said, what we did talk about were the ways in which we could try to work through these problems. We talked about ways in which we could deal with the issues that he had raised. We talked about the things that we could collectively do to make them right. And he said it was well after that session had ended that he realized that in the course of all of his counsel, he had not mentioned God one time. You think, well, that's kind of bad. A pastor ought to be talking about the Lord. You'd think that would be his go-to source. But you see, all of us, sometimes, if we're not careful, regardless of what title or position we may hold in life, can really be guilty of trying to work it out ourselves, trying to figure out how we can do. He said, I realized that my first thought hadn't been we should rely on God in this time of trouble. He said, I had not spent time reassuring him that whatever happened, God works for the good of those who love him. I have been trying to work out how we could make the situation right rather than trusting that God would. To be honest with you, I think that we've all been right here, right there. Not because we were pompous and arrogant, not because we didn't think God was adequate enough for our, for our situation or for our circumstance, but just that we are human and our first response is to just say, let me fix this, let me try to take care of this. But David said, in his time of peril, mercy shall come to me. Amen. Mercy shall come to me. And so I think what a great conclusion that we find in, in Psalms 59. This would be a great mantra for all of us. David uses it twice in this 59th Psalm. In verse 9, he says, because of his strength will I wait upon thee. For God is my defense. That was part of my text. But in verse number 17, David also said, Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. I just feel like the Lord wants to remind us tonight that in our lowest time, in our lowest season, that mercy can come to us. Amen. Let's stand. So, well, I can't get to him. I... I just don't feel like I'm getting through. Well, that's all right. I've got good news. When you feel like your prayer is hitting a glass ceiling, when we feel like that what we're saying is just being vaporized, we need to understand that mercy can come to us. 
Amen. Can we just magnify the Lord together in this house? Can we just worship him as we close, close our service with this song tonight? And thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.